Can we give our worship team a hand and our keyboard player? Thank you, Nick. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, we're in this series called Reimagine. We started with our tag team, uh, Pastor James, Pastor Isaiah, Pastor Damien, started with a message uh, called Reimagine Our Reach. And he, they revealed to us the areas the arenas that God has opened up to us, the campuses. God's doing amazing things through our campuses. In fact, I was talking with uh, Otis Amy today, who oversees now the entire Northern California region for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. As you know, Spencer Hagen, who goes to this church, is very involved in Atomas and Indricum, and Pastor Isaiah is on those campuses as well. But he said in the last, I think he said, two years, over 3,000 students in Sacramento have given their lives to Christ through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. An amazing, an amazing thing. And then Pastor James expressed how God is opening doors to our community. And if we would just dare to reimagine what could God do through a church like Real Life or through someone like me and you. What could God do? And then Pastor Damien talked about reimagining, reaching our culture, and we're planning and strategizing some things that will help us and better position us to be more effective and influential in our culture. Then I talked about reimagine our love, and I talked about reimagine the following week, reimagine our praise. How many know we've got to get our praise on? Listen, that God doesn't, I, I, God whispered to me a couple of days ago, said, he said, Dean, you can't live on yesterday's praise. And listen, just like, just like Simeon said, now will I praise. We've got to have that now in our spirit. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, we've got to get that now will I praise. And we've got to step uh, into Judah. And then last week, again, I challenged you to think about evangelism differently that evangelism is not an event. It's not an instantaneous response. That's a part of it, but evangelism is a process that there are seed planters, there are soil waterers, and there are soul reapers. Amen? And each of us, I know half of the room said amen. How about this half? Hey, all right, all right, all right. You guys are with me. But we have seed, everybody has a role, and some, some are more effective at seed planting, and some are more effective at, uh, at watering the soil, and then you have the reapers who come in and just get the job done. But they are all important. We'll never get to our harvest unless we plant the seed and take care of what's already in the ground, amen? And this week, I had something different planned I was going to talk about reimagined discipleship, which I'm going to get to in a couple of weeks. Um, but I was strolling through my Twitter feed, and I seen a tweet. And how many of you have ever just been kind of arrested by the Holy Spirit? That it's like you read something, and it's like it either, if it's a book, it jumps off the page. Um, if it's a thought, you just you keep thinking about it. And as I was strolling through my Twitter feed, I seen a tweet by someone I follow named Carlos Rodriguez, and it said this. It said, Dear Church, stop gathering around the name of Jesus while ignoring the ways of Jesus. Remember the poor, visit the prisoner, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, deliver the oppressed. Come on. How many know right there, that's the difference maker right there? 
You see, but anybody can feed the hungry, amen? Anybody can visit the prison. Not everybody can deliver the oppressed. Come on, only the Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you can deliver the oppressed. Serve the least and rise for the marginalized. I love this last sentence. He waits for us there. I went to staff that day, and we were doing some planning as traditionally this is our season of hope. And um, so we, I went in there with the idea, hey, we're going to lay this thing out. And so I started off our staff meeting with what I just read to you, what you just seen on the screens. And as I shared that with our staff, the atmosphere in our conference room shifted and I immediately knew that my message for this Sunday had just changed. Last year, as the holidays approached, which was my first holidays, I've now been here going on my 17th month. I don't know when you start count, um, stop counting months as a new pastor, but um, hopefully it's around 24 months, all right? Two years, you guys will be like, okay, we're good, all right, all right. <clears throat> But last year, as the holidays approached, I was told that traditionally we were entering what real life called the season of hope. And Pastor Dean, this is what we do. We do Thanksgiving bags. Uh, we do a refugee Christmas with Adam and Raquel Ship, And then we um, donate some funds to uh, some foster children's, and then they take care of the gifts. And so I wanted, after hearing that last year, and just kind of experiencing it for the first time. Last year, I wanted to up our game a little bit. How many know it's okay if you up your game a little bit? And so um, I, it was a really a divine appointment, but I met Pastor L.K. Joyner, who's in Del Paso Heights over there at St. Paul's, and we decided to help them box meals and do some different things. Um, we we actually took on 50 more kids from the foster system. So instead of just giving them money to go do it themselves, we put all the kind of the agape angels, we call them, on the Christmas tree and first service, uh, wiped them out before second service could have any. Um, so we did some different things. We had a uh, so collections of socks and gloves so that we could take them out to Maria Dominguez and the crew that helps her out on Sundays once a month. We again did the Thanksgiving bags. But this, this year, I really sense the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a church that this season of hope is not to be a season from October to December, but a lifestyle that is lived out. And so my challenge this morning is will you come on a journey with me to reimagine the holidays? that we would go, listen, from being a holiday church to an everyday church. How does this happen? And how does a church like ours reimagine the holidays in such a way that, we do, uh, that what we do for Thanksgiving and Christmas continues throughout the years in ways we could have never imagined? How many know the need never goes away? Come on, the opportunities to reach hearts, to reach people, to touch people's lives, it goes way beyond October through December, which, by the way, I want to just thank everyone who came out 
for our first uh, Treat Street event. It was amazing. We had, we had 20 cars sign up. We had over 30 show up. It was an amazing, amazing, and I just call that a seed-sowing event that's building bridges right in the middle of darkness. Come on. Halloween's not the devil's day. It's the Lord's day. It is the day that he has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, I will be a light because it will shine brighter in darkness. And I posted this week, but God spoke to me. He said, I did not create you to be afraid of the dark. So we are going to walk in the light and be the light. So how does this happen? Now, I know there's been a remnant at real life. And if you've, if you've been around here long enough, you've met Kathy Williams. And you've met uh, the Woodwards. And you've met, um, uh, you've met Lynn Godwin. You've met all these people that have a heart. And they're, they're continually doing this. Um, and they're, they're mighty. And every week they're out in our community doing some kind of feeding, doing some kind of serving in this way. And so um, know that that is ongoing. But I want to up our game. I, I want to just take some time to reimagine this morning. And I'm going to just go through what might seem like an announcement, but I want you to just reimagine with me. And again, this is an invitation to participate, not an obligation. And so I'm going to take some time to roll out what we're going to do. And my hope is that we could reimagine, we could begin to reimagine this. And this is what my message is going to be about. We can reimagine some of these things that we could see them continue throughout the year. So today, our Thanksgiving bags are available. We're going to continue to do this. It's a great Great tradition here at Real Life. They're in the, the back on your way out. Um, the cost of doing a bag is anywhere from 30 to 50. Again, Amy and I did a couple bags last year, and we're believing God for 100 bags. Last year we got 60. This year we're believing for 100. Who are the bags for? There's families in our church who are in need. Okay, so if you're a family, you're in need, you can't afford to do a bag, but you need a bag, you can sign up. After church, there's a list. You can sign up, and we'll reserve a bag for you. There's families in our community, including refugees' families that Adam and Raquel Ship work with, that we're going to deliver these bags. How many know we got to welcome the stranger? Yes. And so we're going to do that. And plus, there's a lot of apartments here. There's just a ton of need, way more than 100 bags. But we're going to do the best we can. And then you can also help us deliver them and drop them off. And so everything you need to know is stapled to the bag, and you're going to bring them back to the church lobby on Sunday, November 18th. And if you'd like to deliver them, I'm going to connect you with Adam and Raquel Ship, and they're going to give you those families to deliver the bags to. Again, welcoming the stranger, welcoming the refugees. Not, not every family is a refugee, but they've got like maybe 30 families out of the 100 that we want to serve. That can, this could just be a starter going into the holidays for them. And so that's, that's the first thing. And again, they're right there on your left as you exit. The second thing that we're going to do is we partnered last year with um, St. Paul's and Pastor Joyner, as many of you know. And uh, I told you last week, people were, we, we fed a ton of people, probably 500 people. They were, and I looked around and everybody, they were eating on the ground, anywhere they could find. And I said, you know what? We're going to do this differently. I believe people need to be uh, treated with dignity and respect. And so one of the things that I want to do is uh, I'm calling this feed the neighborhood. 
And last week I had the wrong day in the weekly. This is the day before Thanksgiving. So I know some of you are out of town, but I'm talking to everybody who's in town. And maybe before you leave, you could still help us out. We're going to set up an outside banquet hall. I'm going to rent a tent. I talked, I already got the, I already got the dimensions. I've already got it set up. I'm just waiting for God to pay for that. And so we're going to set up the bank. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, how many know your vision's always more than your provision? All right. And so I got, I talked to the people. I got it reserved and everything. And then um, we're going to need table sponsors to decorate and serve 300 to 500 people on that day. Um, we're going to have a, uh, Pastor Joyner is giving us 30 to 40 t- turkeys that we need our congregation to pick up, cook, cut, slice and serve and bring it back to either the church or you could bring it on site for that day of the event. Um, We need some people to prepare a side dish for 20 people, mashed potatoes, green beans, and uh, I forgot some, maybe some kind of dessert. Got to have dessert, right? You got to have dessert with Thanksgiving. All right. Um, We need people two days prior to do some box-up meals. So not only are they going to get a hot meal on that day, they're going to go home with another Thanksgiving meal. If people want to help box-up, we need to set up and tear-down team. And then also, if anyone has access to a walk-in freezer or a refrigerated trailer, Pastor Joyner, he just walks in this favor. He's getting over 500 turkeys. And I don't know if you've been over to St. Paul's or not. But he doesn't have room for 500 turkeys. And so if you know anybody or you, you, you might know something, come see me and talk to me. And then we need a ministry team. Now, here's the deal. I told you um, last week, uh, last year, we had people walking the lines, going, going to people and asking them. And here's the key. Listen, we can serve people. We can, you know, we can do all these things. But listen, this is the time, listen, when we ask people, can I pray for you? Listen, how many know there's a greater need than just their physical need? And so this is the opportunity. So we need people with ministry uh, that love doing that, love praying for the sick, love praying for the down and out, love praying for those and lifting. How many know God's called us to lift humanity? And then lastly, um, the last thing, we're going to have a representative here in a couple of weeks um, that represents Agape Foster Homes, and we're going to do Agape Trees again for Christmas. Now, I know this seems like a lot, but this is a... Just spread out a little bit. I'm just giving, giving it to you all at once. How many ready to reimagine the holidays with me? Okay, that's where I'm going. My passage this morning, before I jump into it, is Matthew 25, but I want to give you some context. Many of us are familiar with Matthew 24. Jesus is talking about the signs of the end times to his disciples and what will happen to those who follow him. And he's teaching them with a sense of urgency about being ready at all times for his return. How many know we've got to be ready? We've got to begin to walk in a spirit of readiness. I think one of the things that happens, especially in modern day culture, is that we can just think, you know what, he's not coming now. We've got time. We've got time to do our own thing. No, God wants us to walk in a spirit of an expectancy, a spirit of urgency with what he's given us to do. And chapter 25 consists of three parables about what the kingdom of heaven will be like. He talks about the parable of the ten virgins, and I can't take time to read all of this, but you can later. 
He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And then he talks about the parable of the talents. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And then, if you will, he talks about the parable of the final judgment or the parable of the last test. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Verse 32 says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I want to give you that context as we start Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then the king, and this is important that we don't stop there, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. This morning, I beg you, I challenge you, can we reimagine the holidays in such a way that we go from it being a season to an everyday lifestyle. It leads me to my first point, that we need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit for the fresh work of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 25 starts off with the parable of the ten virgins. There were five wise and five foolish. Again, I don't have time to read it. I'm just going to summarize it a little bit. But how many know we need extra oil to make sure we are ready for unexpected delays? And the story goes on. Listen, whenever God calls you and I, whenever God calls you and I to an enduring work, in other words, something that's going to last, something that's going to have eternal impact, it's going to take something extra. Come on, elbow your neighbor and say something extra. It's going to take something extra. You see, the five wise virgins brought extra oil, but the five foolish virgins ran out and wanted to borrow some oil from the others. Here's a key principle, and again, the context of this is the Lord's return and His second coming, but I'm, I'm drawing out some other principles so that we will live with a readiness, that we will live with an urgency to fulfill what God 
has called us to do as a body, as a family. And here's the key principle. You and I can't live off of someone else's oil. You and I can't live off someone else's anointing. Listen, I beg you. I beg you. Listen, do the work. Come on. Do the work of spending time with God. Do the work of being intimate with God because it's, intimate, it's through intimacy with Jesus that our anointing increases. You see, so many times we go from book to book. We go from conference to conference. Come on, looking for something instantaneous. But let me tell you, God wants you to build your own history with him. He wants to build a history of intimacy with him. Now, again, the greater implication of these parables is the second coming, which needs to be taken seriously because God wants us to live with this expectancy and the readiness and willingness to do all he's called us to do. But what I want you to see is why the foolish virgins were scrambling to go and purchase more oil. They missed their open door, and when they came back, they found themselves asking the Lord to open a door he had already opened and shut. I don't want to be caught. Listen, I don't want to be caught without oil. I don't want to be caught being away from my assignment, going to purchase something that should have already been in my pocket. And listen, I've told you before, but there are prophetic windows. There are prophetic doorways that God opens to his family, and he says, come in. And I dare say to you today, they can be missed. They can be missed. You can miss opportunities. You can miss divine moments. And you'll be circling around the mountain again and again wondering, what happened? What happened? And the bottom line is, listen, we weren't ready. We weren't expecting. We missed the moment and therefore missed the momentum. And God is calling us, listen, to be urgent about what's on his heart. To take these things seriously that are on his heart. I believe God is opening prophetic windows, doors, and opportunities to real life that we must be ready for. But church, hear my heart this morning. It's going to take something extra. You see, this is in your notes. When we begin to reimagine something's potential, like the holidays, like the outreaches that we do during this time, it requires a greater release of the supernatural. Psalm 92, verse 10, he says, but the psalmist says, but my horn, my emblem of strength and power, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. How many wild oxes do I have in here? Come on. You've exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with fresh oil. Will you just say that with me? I am anointed. I want to hear you say it. I am I am anointed with fresh oil. And I like in the Amplified, it says, for your service. You see, sometimes I think we can be like the five foolish virgins and run out of oil. Amy and I, we bought a brand new 2007 Honda Pilot back in 2007. <laughs> Man, that car, man, I love that Honda Pilot. That thing lasts the test of time. In fact, I was talking to uh, our Honda mechanic, and he says, yeah, we hate these things. I said, you guys hate these Honda Pilots? He said, yeah, we hate them. They never break down. <laughs> I said, hallelujah. But 
for some reason, and there's no leaks, nothing, no oil leaks out, nothing leaks out, but I've noticed that this thing burns a lot of oil. And because it burns a lot of oil, I've learned because one time when we were down, going down to the Bay Area, Amy's grandmother was in the hospital at this time, and, and we were just scuttling down to the Bay Area, and someone had kind of put their brakes, I mean, slammed on their brakes on the freeway, so I slammed on mine, and I don't know what it did or whatever, but basically it kicked on some kind of sensor and basically said, your oil is low. That thing started misfiring, it started sputtering, it started acting funny, and I pulled over to the gas station, and surprisingly, my oil was low. But fortunately, come on, I bought some extra oil with me. <clears throat> now, I, I know all you mechanics are going to be on dear God when I tell you this, but I put about three quarts of oil. <clears throat> if you think that's bad, last week I put about five in it. <laughs> I did an own oil change just like that. But, but a lot of us are like the 2007 pilot that burns a lot of oil. It's kind of like us, and how many know we're not made to run without oil, but when we do, we start acting kind of funny. We start sputtering and, and misfiring and stalling, and we find ourselves without oil. We find ourselves, you know what, I forgot to buy some oil. How many know God doesn't want us to go without oil? In fact, Luke 24 Verse 49, I'm skipping around back there, so if you're trying to follow me, it says, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Luke 4, 18 to 19, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many know, come on, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. He has rubbed me. He has smeared me with his power. He has smeared me with his anointing. He's anointed me to bring new good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. I love this and how it puts it in the present tense. That captives will be released. How many know captives are going to be released? And that the blind will see. And that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is a reason why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is such a key for your life. It's not only a key for your life, but it's a key for your ministry. And where we're going as a church. Everybody say more oil. You see, this was the normal experience of all in the early Christian church. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come on, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I put it simply like this. It's God's confirmation of what's already happening on the inside. Come on, how many know you're not only anointed in the inside, but God can anoint you on the outside. Come on, He can give you boldness. He can give you boldness to do the things that you never thought were possible through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait for the promise. John baptized with water, but I'm about to baptize you with fire. How many know you can't have fire without oil? And so many times we're praying for the revival fires to come. 
Listen, and God is waiting for us to increase our oil supply. You see, we need to be filled in order to be fueled for the works that God is getting ready to release in our hands. We need oil. We need fresh oil. Leads me to my second point. We have to be fully invested in the little things in order to experience the fullness of the greater things to come. There were three servants. Two were faithful and doubled what they had. And the master gave them many more responsibilities. How many like more responsibility? None of you. All right, all right, all right. You're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, right? <laughs> Two were faithful in all, all that God had given them. And one was fearful and hid what he was given. And, all, and he lost everything he had. How many know if we try to hold on to things that we're not supposed to hold on, we end up losing everything anyway? You see, we will never experience, this is in your notes, we will never experience the fullness of who God is without a willingness to take some risks with what God has already given us. God is calling us, listen, to step out and do something with what he's already given us. Do you know there is enough power in this room inside of you, listen, to change this community? Do you know that the power of the Holy Spirit in you will ignite a fire in this region? Listen, we have underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And God wants, listen, God wants us to step out. He wants us to take risks. I know a lot of the songs we sing and we sang this morning, and I like that new song, but it's always, Lord, bring revival, bring revival. And I believe the Lord sometimes looking down at us and just say, will you just step out and revival will come? Will you just pray for that person and they will get healed? Will you just lay your hands on that person? They're going to get saved. Will you just share your testimony and encourage them and their marriage will get healed? You see, we can't expect God to release more responsibility into our hands until we maximize what he's already deposited in us. You guys hear me? God wants to maximize. We're in the season. And if you want to be praying with your pastor, say, you can pray this prayer. God, help us to maximize everything that you've placed in our hands. Help us to maximize everything that you've placed in our hands, both physical and spiritual. I know we get caught up with physical things, but I'm just telling you, if your eyes could be open to what's happening in the spirit, you'd be like, oh, no, God, I want some of that too. I want to maximize that. What you're getting ready to do in Natomas and beyond and in our neighborhoods, wherever you live, it doesn't matter. It's not limited to Natomas. Come on. God wants to pour out his spirit in the greater Sacramento region. It's interesting how this parable describes the unfaithful servant. He says, wickedness and laziness. Wickedness and laziness kept him from being totally invested. Luke 16, 10 to 12 says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? You see, we have a fresh anointing. 
And we need to be fully invested in little things, I believe, because when we do, we'll be able to reimagine the holidays as something that doesn't start in October and stops in December, but continues throughout the year. Oh, Lord, you, you allowed us to feed 500. But, Lord, would we dare to reimagine as you did, Lord, could we feed 5,000? Could we feed 500 a month? Could we hand out bags every week? <laughs> Come on. Could we not only buy foster children gifts, but could we invite them in our homes? I'm just thinking differently. At the beginning of the series, Pastor James mentioned reimagining our reach with the concept of a food pantry on wheels. That's something that we just thought of. One, one of the things that we've been dreaming about, what's Love Natomas look like? You know, and we've, we've invested. We've invested in St. Paul's through time with, with folks that are going out there, uh, our treasure. We've, we've, we've helped out in, in some monetary ways and our talent going out there, doing what we do. God gave us a van. How many know the church has a van? You probably, because you've probably never seen it, but it's out back here. Someone bought a van uh, a few years ago, donated a brand new van to the church, and right now it's only used when I go to the dumps. Because we've emptied out the warehouse in the back about three times, and I'm still, still got to go again. But we also have a relationship with American Lakes who has opened the door and said, will you help us feed our hungry students? Wait a minute. See how God sets things up? Wait, wait. I connected you with Pastor Joyner, who's willing to give you all the food that you need. I've given you a van to go. Come on. Come on. And I've given you hungry children in your community. Will you reimagine... Will you dare to reimagine with me? You say, Pastor Dean, I, I don't got time. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just talking about as a family. We just take, maybe you can't give your time, but maybe you could say, you know what, I could put together those groceries on my day off. What would happen if we thought about things different? Let's take our investment and do something with it. Someone said, well, we should just sell the van. Ah. I'm thinking something different about that van. <laughs> oh, we should just sell the van. It's, it's a car. No, 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 no. God gave us that van. for. We might have thought the van was for picking up people and busting around youth groups, which with that 15-passenger van, that ain't safe. You don't want to do that. But listen, how about something else? How about thinking about it differently? And let's give God an opportunity to multiply what he's given us. Someone was at... Uh, the uh, Treat Street event, and they, the night before they were at another church's event, and they saw this church just giving away hundreds of bags of groceries, and they said, hey, wouldn't it be neat next year? Wouldn't it be neat next year if the people that came, they all left? They all left with a bag of groceries? And I thought to myself, I'm like, here's a person reimagining Treat Street already. And, and, and the person didn't know, but all this stuff is already lined up. We've already got an abundant supply of food that they're willing to give us to do that very thing. And how do we know God calls you to do that thing? You don't need my permission. Hello. 
you don't, if God's given you that idea, listen, you come to me with that idea. I'm not, listen, God gave you the idea. And so many times God gives us an idea, and then we go to Pastor Pastor, this is what I think you should do. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, God spoke to you <laughs> about doing that, right? He didn't speak. Look, could you imagine if everything that God spoke for each and every one of us to do, we actually did? Oh, my goodness. We would have, listen, you, we, wouldn't, we, couldn't count, we couldn't count the people that were being reached. See, some of you are waiting. You're, you're waiting, but I'm just saying, listen, God is wanting to empower you with the power of the Holy Spirit to do what's in your heart. We don't need permission-based empowerment. You need to go and do. What's that thing that God is saying to do? Leads me to my third point. We will experience God the most when we are committed as a church to continually serve the least. You guys hear my heart here? You see, the power and presence of God should not be measured by our Sunday, only by our Sunday services, but our services to others. Well, God showed up today, didn't he do, Pastor Dean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, listen, I, th- I think God shows up, he shows out, he does what he does on Sundays. But listen, if that's all we're getting, come on. God has so much more for us. Serving people opens the door to God's supernatural power. Matthew 25, verse 39, don't miss this. He says, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. Did you guys catch this? We're so asking for the presence of God to invade our lives, to invade our space. Listen, go and serve the least of these, and that's where God is waiting for you. He's waiting. If you want to encounter his presence, listen, go and serve the least of these. You'll find him there. We had an intercessor at one of the churches we served at. Her name was Don Sores, and Don Sores was this amazing lady. She would see amazing things. She would encourage us. She was amazing, prophetic intercessor, but she was also a doer, man. She was out there. And we used to do this thing called pancakes in the park. And then pancakes in the park turned into pedicures in the park. So we'd feed them pancakes, and then we actually got brand new shoes and socks. And actually, we got all the stuff to do pedicures. And they would take off those dirty socks. Come on. And they would, they would they would wash their feet right there on the park bench, right there in Niles, Niles Park. They, they'd right there, they'd wash, wash their feet right there, and then they'd, they'd anoint their feet with oil. Come on. I'm talking, these are nasty feet. Come on, how many know Jesus is in the nasty? Come on, nasty feet. Boom, just massaging and oiling those feet. I'm not lying. I was watching this one man. He was just like, he was in heaven. He was like, hallelujah. I mean, this guy, and, and Don was... Dawn was giving him a pedicure, and she put new socks and put his new boots on. And I'm not joking. We have a video of this. He did one of these. You know, he did like one of those heel clicks. But, but Dawn, Dawn came back to the church the next day because we used to do uh, fill and spill. So we used to go after God's presence on Friday and Sunday morning. We would spill out all the things that God fueled us with. And, and that Sunday morning, she shared a testimony. She said, I never encountered 
the presence of God like I did, come on, when I was washing that man's feet. Oh, when I was anointing his feet, oh, God was anointing me. When I was putting his socks on, listen, God was speaking to me. She said, I never felt God's presence in such a powerful and amazing way. You see, Matthew 25 says there's going to be blessed ones and cursed ones. Those who did it to the least of these and those who refuse to help the least of these. How many know you have to serve the least of these if you want to experience the most of him? Tommy Barnett said this, revival is waiting for you in the streets. I want to challenge you. Will you dare to reimagine the holidays with your pastor? Will you reimagine the holidays to be something more than once a year? You see, the last thing in your notes there, blessed people live their lives to be a blessing to others. Proverbs 11.10, and this is a verse that we closed out, we, we, we actually began this year with. And we're going to close it out with it again. Will you stand with me? It says, the blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. But shouts of joy will be heard when the wicked one dies. The blessings of favor resting upon the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. And I want us to declare this as we go into the holidays. Can you put that first screen of the declaration on? I want us to be ready. There we go. But I want us to declare as we close today a proclamation over this, listen, over this holiday season that will just take us from being an October through December to an everyday lifestyle that we live out together. You say, Pastor Dean, how are we going to do it? I'm not going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it with fresh oil. He's going to do it because we take risks. And he's going to do it because we're going to welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, and serve the least. Will you pray with me? Will you say this with me? Thank you, Lord, that I am blessed and live in a beautiful city. Thank you for the blessing that rests on me. You have blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, in Christ, to bless every place I go. Today, I humble myself and ask you to make my life a blessing. Take what rests on me and release strength and favor to those around me. Change the atmosphere of my home, my church, my neighborhood, my workplace, and my city. I ask that God's blessing of favor on my life would go beyond me, flow through me, and allow me to influence my city and make it known. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give God praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just with your hands lifted, I just want to say, Lord, if you could use anything, will you use me? Come on, God's giving you ideas. He's dropping things in your spirit all throughout this series to do something with it. I commission you in the name of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, on your way out, if you want to pick up a Thanksgiving bag, so be it. On Wednesday, we have our one-day fasting and prayer night. So come on out this Wednesday. We're having powerful times. God bless you, and we will see you guys next week.